0: Thank you, sweetie. It's good to be in the Lord's house this evening. Amen. Thankful for the honor that it is, the opportunity that we have to be here tonight. Thank you so much for singing out so wonderfully. Let's take God's word and turn to Isaiah 55. Here in a second, we will mention the series thoughts and go over the verses that we find. I just want to say thank you to Miss Amanda for her hospitality. We enjoyed our time over at her house and the meal that was prepared. Thank you so much. And all the fellowship that we got to enjoy with everyone else that was able to be there. We certainly appreciate your fellowship and your friendship. And again, thank you for purposing to be here this evening. The theme of the revival is, it's time. And I love the simple design that's on the slide of what you and I would consider in many of the games that we have played in our past of that sand within a timer that annoyingly runs out way too fast. And as we consider how quickly time passes by, the verses that we are looking at in Romans, and if we could go ahead and have those placed on the screen, they're reminding us that it's time. The Word of God says in Romans 13, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the very next verse says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. And yesterday we talked very specifically about how it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up out of spiritual slumber. It's time to consider the time that we are wasting. It's time to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, etc. Well, this evening we are looking at this title, It's Time to Seek the Lord. For as you consider what we saw in Romans 13, we find out that there is a difference between the one that God is calling us to be And the one that we find ourselves to be if we are found in Romans 13. If we are found in Romans 13 as somebody who needs to cast off darkness, we are living rather selfishly instead of seeking the Lord. And so as we consider the opportunity of now being the time, it is high time that we start seeking the Lord. That we start seeking His righteousness, His armor of light. That we start seeking to walk honestly as in the day. That we would not be unwise or as fools, but that we would live in the way of wisdom. It's time to seek the Lord. I want to ask you a very simple question. Recall right now, if you would, would you recall with me That moment in time where you sought the Lord over something. Now maybe it was something that you consider very small at this time looking back on it. Or maybe it was a big deal. What was it like when you began to seek the Lord? What type of fervor? What type of zeal? What type of desire did you have within your heart? Maybe you can recall a time in your life where you sought the Lord over a revival in your church. And you were willing to cast off certain things and welcome other things into your life because you want a God to revive your church. Well, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to say right now it is time to seek the Lord for revival to seek the Lord for restoration, to seek the Lord for God to move in our midst as only God can. You find yourself in Isaiah 55, begin reading by way of introduction some verses with me, starting in verse number 6. And I remember when these verses really sat home in my life. I was actually learning a scripture song at Pensacola Christian College and I was trying to become part of an ensemble there. Unfortunately, they did not see me fit for singing in the ensemble, but I learned a little bit of scripture as I started learning that song. It was this, Isaiah 55 verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Can I pause right there and say, if he's close, don't push him away. If you understood how real and wonderful he is, don't run from him in this moment where it's so important that you seek him while he may be found. Then look at verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. And maybe there's somebody listening online who feels like they could never come back to God. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances? Aren't you glad that God has never given up on you? And He's given His everything for you. But you might not be on the live stream or listening later. You might be right here in this place. And you might understand that you've done some things, you've been to some places, you've said some things. But God is so merciful and extends an invitation unto you to come unto Him. The way that you've been thinking, the way that you've been living, the things that you've been saying, God is a merciful God. He will abundantly pardon. Look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, sometimes it's easy to get selfish to focus on the things of this life or the things of our own self. But we need to be reminded that there is a God who is higher. There is a way that is better. And this ought to drive us to the point of desiring to seek Him once again in our life. It says in verse 10 of Isaiah 55, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Pause right there and consider... You may not like it when it snows, but God has a purpose in snow. And He is going to use that snow as it melts and waters the earth and begins to provide for the eater who is going to take of the fruit of the ground. God has a way, as it says in the book of Nahum, in the whirlwind and in the storm, And maybe you are facing something right now and need to recognize that God hasn't changed, though man has changed. Here is an opportunity to turn to God and run to God and find safety and shelter in your God and seek ye the Lord while He may be found. In verse 11, the Bible says, "...so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void." But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whither I sent it. And just like God sends the snow for a purpose of feeding the eater in the latter end, we understand that as the word of God goes forward, He has a purpose in fulfilling what He has promised. And what an opportunity for you and for me to seek the God of heaven that loves us so much that not only has He given us mercy when we didn't deserve it, but He's given us His Word to get our attention that we may prosper by the power of the Word of God. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. So this evening, as we talk about it being time to simply seek the Lord, let's pray. And ask God for help this evening. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, we seek you tonight as a congregation. But I pray that it would be more than just my voice. I pray that it would be every individual, from the least of us to the greatest of us, and everyone in between. From the youngest to the oldest. We pray that our hearts would be purposed in seeking you tonight so many different directions, but yet an opportunity to seek You. I pray that in sincerity as well as in truth, we would be reminded of the importance of seeking You, but then I pray that we would purpose to do so. Thank You for a church body that desires to see You high, holy, and lifted up. And I pray tonight that You would change some things in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people prayed and said, Amen. Number one, I would like to invite you to understand the importance of preparing to seek the Lord. To do this, I would like you to go to the left in the Word of God and find Second Chronicles. And here in Second Chronicles, you are introduced to a king of history past. A king named Rehoboam. And we're not able to look at everything concerning his life this evening, but there is one point about seeking God that is going to stand out to us about the testimony of King Rehoboam. And as we look at 2 Chronicles 12, I want you to gain the importance of preparing to seek the Lord by first of all understanding verse 1 and 2 that pride led Rehoboam to forsake the law of God. It says in verse 1 and 2 of 2 Chronicles 12, that it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Consider verse number 1. Consider his arrival. I have established a kingdom. I have made it in this life. Maybe in your situation, I sought the Lord for my spouse. And now that I have found my spouse, I have made a decision against my spouse. Or maybe it has been, I have sought the Lord over my job. And now that I've sought the Lord over my job, I'm going against the very Lord who's provided my job. In this particular passage, here is a man who had a kingdom established underneath him, but with his pride, after he was established, after the kingdom was secure, he decided to forsake something. To forsake something means you had it close by at one time. And how many within the Christian faith, including looking back on times of our life, have we been so close to the things of God, or so close to God Himself, we have reaped the reward in due season of living for God, but for whatever reason we've decided to forsake, we've decided to turn away, this is not a good place to find ourselves in. Notice what it says in verse 2 of 2 Chronicles 12. And it came to pass, and by the way, it will always come to pass. It came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak king of Egypt came and up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. Guys, this isn't the only time in the Bible where God raised up an enemy. Because of somebody's rebellion. We can't afford to run away from the things of God. Solomon had it happen twice over as he had his wives turn his heart against the one true God. And God raised up an enemy unto Solomon. And God raised up an enemy unto Solomon. Here in Rehoboam's life, because he and Israel forsook God, they rebelled against God, they ran against His word, and God gave them an enemy, Shishak, king of Egypt. Because... They transgressed against the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 7 and verse 12. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, They have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Then in verse 12, And when he humbled himself, The wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. Hey, aren't you glad when things go well? In this verse, we are dealing with the spiritual battle, the spiritual choices, the choices in self, or the choices for the Savior. And here what we find is a king who forsook God, a king who led his kingdom with him, a king who was established thinking, why do I need the things of God anymore? And he ran from them. God raised up an enemy against this king, one of his own kings, and as the enemy was approaching, the king began to understand his rebellion, and the king started seeking God. The king started humbling himself before the Lord. And as we consider the importance of humbling ourselves before the Lord, I want to ask you a very simple question. Is all well with you right now? And this is a question that only you can answer before God. Because you know very well what it's like to pillow your head with a clear conscience before God or to pillow your head with a guilty conscience before the Lord. And this king was a king who would pillow his head with a guilty conscience, understanding the effects of rebellion, and yet there was a chance for mercy. Yet, there was a chance for the God who would abundantly pardon to be able to work in his situation and in his life. And the Bible tells us that God gave that space of grace. But, look at what it says in chapter 12 and verse 14. Understand the testimony of Rehoboam in verse 14. And he did evil. Because he prepared not his heart to what, church? Seek the Lord. I'm very grateful for Pastor opening up the services at the beginning to say, Hey, this is a time for us to seek the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Did you take it seriously? That, that is an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I, I look back on my day and I recognize where it started I recognize what has gone on, and Lord, I understand how important it is for me to make preparations to seek you. And I ask you, what kind of preparations are you making? For instance, in your family, how are you preparing for your family to be seekers of the Lord? What type of atmosphere are you promoting? What type of questions are you asking? What type of scripture are you giving and living that's helping not just yourself, but others around you prepare to seek the Lord? Now, I loved it when mom would pull out some ingredients of the cabinet, and what she was doing was she was preparing to make something really good. Chocolate chip cookies. She took the butter, she took the sugar, she took the flour, she took all of the other ingredients she was preparing. It didn't just happen by accident, you know what I mean. And seeking the Lord in your life is not going to happen on accident. You have to prepare to seek Him. You have to be ready You have to put yourself in those situations where you know and know resting beyond measure that this is the best decision for my life. I need to seek God. Here's a testimony in the Bible. Here is a man who did evil very simply. The reason why he did evil was because he did not prepare his heart to seek God. And likewise in our day we can find ourselves in the same scenario, in the age of grace, with the Holy Spirit the Comforter that has come the one who comforts, the one who teaches the one who rebukes of evil this teacher, this Comforter, this Rebuker we live in this day yet to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, do not err my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding. There is a choice to be a Demas who hath forsaken. There is opportunity for us to say, I'll walk in the works of the flesh instead of the way of the Spirit. God forbid that we should live like that. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. It is time to seek the Lord. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Hey kids, When you get up, you ought to prepare your heart to seek God. See, it's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing. God's given you his word for an everyday thing. This is something that you are to desire more than your necessary meat. Do you like to eat? Oh, I like to eat. But more than that, my spiritual soul needs to eat. And I need to find ways in my life where I prepare my heart to seek the Lord. Are you ready? Are you in a good place? It's time to seek the Lord. The second point that I would like to bring up is prospering God's way is a result of seeking the Lord. Go a couple chapters to the right, to chapter 14, and here is another king that's introduced to us. His name is Asa. And as you look at this particular king in the Bible, you find out that he was blessed by God. Notice what it says in chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods in the high places, and break down the images, and cast down the groves. You know what this is a picture of in the Old Testament? This is a picture of what God has called us to do in the New Testament. To cast away the works of darkness. And in Asa's day, acquiring a kingdom, beginning to rule and beginning to reign, he saw some things that should not be in the kingdom, and he took it as his responsibility to remove those things that were not good from the kingdom, so that there would not be provision for the flesh, so that there would not be an opportunity for somebody to be involved in those things, because the king has removed them." And by the way, it would be okay if moms and dads would say it's time to remove some things from our households. And maybe it's even kids, I'm sorry, I've been the one who has introduced these things into the home. It would be okay for us to understand the error of our way, and it would also be okay for our kids to see a little bit of humility in mom and dad. That mom and dad understand that they would rather cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. What an amazing teaching point this is for our little ones growing up. They understand that we are just as human as they are and we make mistakes just like they do and with the responsibility and the leadership that God has given to us, we don't want to do evil. We want to be those who honor and glorify God. It'd be okay if we admitted where we were wrong. It'd be okay if we would make a decision in the right direction and use it as a teaching moment to say, children, it's far better to do right the first time and to stay in that direction. As we consider Asa, he's having to remove some things that have been established already. Notice what it says in verse number 4, as he encouraged others to seek the Lord. In verse number 4, the Bible says that he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law of the commandment. And we recognize that this is a command that a king has given. But how wonderful is it when there is encouragement from leaders in our life to seek the Lord and to get rid of those things in our life that we need to get rid of? The problem is, in our flesh, we might decide to say, Who are you, King Asa? We might decide to say, Who are you, pastor or preacher? But yet we need to be reminded that God has given leaders not to blindly follow. We understand that. But God gave us pastors to edify and to equip and to encourage the local assembly. And if there's something that the pastor of your church begins to see within the church, it doesn't mean he's a big beanie head. It just means God's given him a position, God's given him insight, and God is trying to see this place go on for the glory of God through the man that He has given to lead in this place. It's kind of like mom and dad in the house. And young people, mom and dad see some things in your life, and they're not big, meanie heads when you get in trouble for what you have done. You have said something you shouldn't say. You've lied about something that you should not have lied about. You were dishonest. You reacted in a way that you should never have reacted. And mom and dad, they're correcting you over it. And by the way, that's a good mom and a dad. Young people, if you've got a mom and you have a dad that's going to correct you when you do something wrong, you want to thank God for them. Because they're helping you see the better way. Sin is never the better way. Amen. Amen. And when God gives you somebody as a mom and dad, or God gives you somebody as a spiritual leader, as they are leading you according to God's word, that is key. We understand that these types of leaders are in our life for a purpose. And here we find Asa who is encouraging his people to seek the Lord. As it says in verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers. In verse 7, we see that others and Asa understood the prosperity due to seeking the Lord. In verse 7, therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us, because... We have sought the Lord our God, we have sought Him, and He hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Go back to verse number 1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. That's the kind of rest that God was giving for their obedience. Guys, could you imagine what it would be like to wake up to the sound of trumpets blaring? Recently, Rachel and Lydia got on a plane. They flew from Pennsylvania all the way to Denver, Colorado. And I made the 24-hour drive in our car because we were heading out west for the next revival. And as they stayed in a hotel around the Denver International Airport, they were having some issues with pipes that had frozen, and then in the thaw, they would burst. And so there was Lydia's first experience with a loud fire alarm at a hotel. Uh, She was getting cleaned up, and all of a sudden, you know, thankfully it wasn't in the middle of the night, but all of a sudden those sirens start going off, and they're loud, and they're long, and they just won't be quiet. Little body shaking, mom said. What is going on? And she's explaining to her what they need to do. And this is how it's going to be. And this is what we need to do, where we need to go. All of those things that would happen in such a case like that. Could you imagine being in the days of war like that? And the trumpet begins to blow in the middle of the night. And you're called to armor up right away because an enemy's outside coming in your direction. Peace is a wonderful thing. And God gave ten years of rest. God would do this for Solomon before Solomon started seeking other gods. Rest in the Lamb. Twenty years. And this king is having ten years of rest. God is blessing. Here's what they recognize. They recognize because they sought the Lord. They sought the Lord in their kingdom. They sought the Lord in their situation. Because they went to God. God gave them this kind of rest. And now they can say, let's build towers. Let's build our city. You say, what's the big deal? You can do in seasons of peace what you cannot do in seasons of war. And there are believers who are battling all the time. And sometimes it's a battle that's of their own making. It's called your flesh. And it's like battle, battle, over and over again. And then on the other side of the wiles of the devil, we understand the devil is limited to seasons. He's not God. He can never be God. And he's upset about it. He wants to ruin reign as God, but he'll never be able to. He can never overcome over everything like he wants to. He can't be in every place at one time. He's limited to a location, and yet he has his weapons of warfare. Aren't you thankful for seasons of rest from the spiritual enemies? These are opportunities where we can build. These are opportunities where we can move forward. Never mind talking about the opportunities like Nehemiah, where it's time to build as well as battle. In your moments of your Christian faith, it's time to seek the Lord. There's so much more that I invite you to read in chapter 14 and chapter 15 that we simply don't have time to look at this evening. I'd like to move on to point number three, which is pride causes one to stop seeking the Lord. We're going to go to the right and we're going to find chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles and be introduced to one last king before we have a final thrust by way of conclusion to the message. Here in 2 Chronicles 26, there's a king named Uzziah. And Notice what it says about him. 16 years old. Quiet. Could you imagine getting to that place? Hey, it's time for you to rule the kingdom. What? No way. Now, he probably didn't handle it quite like that. That was a big deal. 16 years old and do that? When you get to that point, you're like, what is going on? This man is young. No, no, no. (laughs) I am plenty old enough to rule a kingdom, some could think. But here's Uzziah. Notice he did not start in his pride. Look at what it says in 26 and verse 3. Verse 3 says, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. That's a long time. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Here's what he did. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Notice verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Notice this. And as long as he, what church? Sought the Lord. God made him to what? Guys, you can't afford to give up on seeking God. Be somebody who has a zealous, avid pursuit of God. I love the memories that I have of my mother when I was a kid. And as I would come down the stairs at my house in the early morning, I had to go to the restroom. And I would peer through the rails of that staircase. And I'd look down the staircase. And there's mom with an afghan over her, kneeling on the living room floor. And she has the Bible open up in front of her. And even though I was little, I knew I should not disrupt mom at that very moment as she was seeking the Lord. What wonderful memories in my life of my mother seeking the Lord. Your memory doesn't have to be exactly like that, but I sure am thankful to know that my mother had a desire to know God and to seek Him. Our children ought to know that we love the Lord, that we're in love with Him, And not just it said with our lips, but it understood with our lives. Being somebody who seeks the Lord, here is a king that would understand as long as I seek the Lord, God is making me to prosper. I wonder how many times mama prayed for me. Lord, I want Justin to be saved. Help me to be a good example of you. And Dennis and... Samantha and Brian as he would come later. I wonder how many times they've sought the Lord on our behalf. Lord, your Bible says the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Lord, there's nothing I can do as a mom or as a dad to keep them safe, but safety is from you. Lord, please keep my baby safe. I wonder how often they've sought the Lord. Well, I know if it's anything like us with Lydia, it's probably quite a bit. Lord, your watch care Your provision. Have you ever been in the position of, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Lord, I want to seek you. But don't forget to keep seeking Him after He brings you to that place of prosperity. Because here is an example in the Bible of another king who comes to the point of being too big for his britches, if you will. Being somebody who feels like he can do whatever he wants. Notice what it says. In Second Chronicles 26 and verse 16. But when he, Uzziah, was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He was his worst enemy. He transgressed against the Lord his God. Oh my, what did he do? Some kind of heinous, immoral act? No, the Bible says right here that he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And you may say that doesn't sound like a bad thing. That sounds like a religious act in the Old Testament, temple. But yet, here was his sin. He did something that was not his to do based upon the law of God that was given to him in their day. Notice what it says in verse 17, And Ezariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. I love that verse. It doesn't show me that priests are weak. It shows me that they were valiant men, at least these. It says in verse 18, They withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth. See, at this point, he could have decided to humble himself and get right. But he got angry at the word of the Lord. No, no. He was wroth. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Could you imagine being those priests? And you get a real live example of how spiritual this life really is. As one king thought he could do whatever he wanted, even in a good action. Now, guys, I'm thankful that we don't live in the days of the Old Testament law. You realize I couldn't be in position in ministry because when I was 15 years old, I had one of those, hey, guys, watch this moments. I was snowboarding. I just learned how to do a 360 off of a jump in the air on my snowboard. I was counting how many times. This was going to be my 23rd time spinning around 360 in the air on a snowboard and landing it successfully. Hey, guys, watch this. I didn't make it all the way around that time, Andrew. When I came around, I caught my heel edge, went flying backwards and landed with my hands like this on the ground and snapped my left two bones in my wrist all the way clean through. You know what the Bible says about somebody who is holped and maimed in the Old Testament? They could have been a Levite, but they could not serve as a priest because they were broken. Not only the fact that they were broken, but they didn't have the treatment and the care back then, and they would have been lame and unable. Man, I'm thankful I live in the day that I live in for medical reasons, but also I'm thankful I live in the day of grace and the day of God's mercy. The day the Lord Jesus Christ has already come the first time, and we're looking for Him to come again. But let us just be learning from Uzziah that as long as he sought the Lord, there was prosperity. But at some point, he got too big in his pride, and he decided he could do whatever he wanted to. And he was taught very quickly, no. When God gets your attention, don't fight Him. Live for Him. To close the message, I have a few verses up here on the screen that I would like you to see with your eyes. The first one is Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men. To see if there were any that did understand and seek God, which is also used again in Romans chapter 3. The next verse is this The meek shall eat and be satisfied, they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Have you sought him? Do you know his way of salvation? Do you know what it's like to praise God because you have sought Him? The next verse is this. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. The next verse. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. This is an opportunity for us who seek God to come before Him and rejoice continually and magnify His name. The next verse, Psalm 105, 3 and 4. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them that rejoice, that seek the Lord, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Keep seeking God. And then Proverbs 28.5 Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand judgment all things God I don't know which way to go right now but your Bible says I'm supposed to ask and you give that wisdom liberally that's what this means you're simply somebody who learns how to seek the Lord Ah, I can do it myself there are things that God allows isn't there but I tell you what for those in here who know it's like to seek the Lord, it's changed your life. Keep seeking God. It's time to seek the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to come before you and to seek you so much in the Bible that point us in the direction of seeking you for so many different things maybe it's over salvation tonight in some